You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is The Struggle is Real, Episode 8 with Loami Richardson. Welcome to Amazing Discoveries. My name is Loami Richardson, Evangelist for Soul Outreach. And what we are going through today is our series entitled The Struggle is Real. We've been going through the seven steps of completion, the practical steps that you and I must take in order for us to be able to be complete in Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to be discussing step number five and how God wants to empower us so that way we can bear much fruit. But before we begin, let's do a quick review as to the steps that we've covered already. You see, step number one, God's part is that he constantly draws us with his love. Our part is to not resist his drawing of love to us. Then as we come to the cross, as we see his love for us, all of a sudden we are convicted of sin, of righteousness, and a judgment that is to come. And the reason why God convicts us of sin isn't so that we can feel bad about ourselves, but, to, so that, but, but in reality, so that way we can be awakened to our need of Jesus. Then our part in the process, because the, uh, there is a cooperation between God and ourselves, our part then is to acknowledge our guilt and, and, and ask for his righteousness. Then once we uh, complete that step, Christ then gives us the gift of repentance. Our job is then to confess and forsake our sins and give him the one thing that he desires from us, which is our hearts. Then not only does a cross uh, enable us to be forgiven, but we see that the cross actually enable us to be cleansed, to be regenerated, to be free, to live a holy and sanctified life. And our job, brothers and sisters, is to simply believe and accept it. And so what we're going to be covering today is step number five, how he will live in you and empower you. But before we begin, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you again for the opportunity to be able to study your word. I ask that this, uh, that this message and this study may be a blessing and that Loami Richardson may not be heard or seen, but that your son may be uplifted and that all men, women and children may be drawn unto him. We love you. We thank you. We ask for your spirit now to lead us and to guide us into all truth. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we're going to be discussing God's part, how he will live in us and empower us to bear the fruits that is necessary for us to bear. I want you to notice what it states in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Paul states, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. We see that the gospel gives us the power to be able to live unto salvation. But first and foremost, brothers and sisters, we must believe that Christ can save us, not in our sins, but from it. I want you to notice what Christ's Object Lessons, page 314 states. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. John chapter 1 verse 12. This power is not in the human agent. It is the power of God. When a soul receives Christ, he receives power to live the life of Christ. So brothers and sisters, we're seeing here that the power that God wants to give to you and I isn't just the power to be able to be forgiven for our sins, but the power to actually live the very life of Christ. This is why Paul stated that he's not ashamed of the gospel. He knew what the gospel was able to do in his life. It transformed him to become a new creature. I want you to notice what it says that I may know on page 100. It states when the sinner accepts Christ and lives in him, Jesus takes his sins and weaknesses and then grafts the repentant soul into himself so that he sustains the relation to Christ that the branch does to the vine. We have nothing. We are nothing unless we receive virtue from Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand this point, and I want to drill it until you understand it. We have nothing in ourselves to save ourselves. We are nothing without Jesus. Christ created us from the dust of the ground, meaning that dust has no value. You and I, if we choose not to follow Christ, we will live our lives, but then die and no one will ever remember us ever again. We have nothing. We are nothing unless we are rooted in Jesus Christ, just as a, uh, a branch is connected to a tree. And, and sustains his life, so must you and I be connected to Jesus. This is why John chapter 15, verse 5 states the following. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
You see, I never understood the importance of the vine and the branches parable. Yet, it was essential for us to understand how we can receive the power to be able to bear the fruits that God tells us that we must bear. I want you to notice the quotation here in Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 341. There is no other way for man's salvation. Without me, says Christ, he can do nothing. Through Christ and Christ alone, the springs of life can vitalize man's nature, transform his taste, and set his affection flowing toward heaven. As I mentioned before, there is no desire for you and I to follow Jesus. We want to do what we desire to do. But when Christ is in us, when we are connected to the, uh, to the vine, when we allow Christ into our hearts, we notice that it's Christ and Christ alone that allows our nature to be transformed. All of a sudden, our affections are towards heaven. Our taste buds are, are, are not of this world. We all of a sudden want things that are heavenly. Uh, uh, we, we desire things of heavenly places. This is why 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 states, His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and what else? And godliness. His power is enable, enable us not only to live a life that is pleasing to God, but it gives us the power to be godly in this life. This is why Testimonies Volume 6 states that the inexhaustible supplies of heaven are at their command. If you ask, you will receive. Christ is willing and able to pour out all of the blessings of heaven for you and I. Christ gives them the breath of his own spirit, the life of his own life. The Holy Spirit puts forth its highest energies to work in both heart as well as the mind. We see that heaven is willing to pour out all of its treasures in order for you and I to be able to live the life that Christ desires for us to live. This is why Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 states the following that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man, that Christ may dwell, where? In your hearts. How? By faith, that ye may be rooted and grounded in what? In love, brothers and sisters, might be filled with the fullness of the Godhead. So this is what Christ desires for us to experience. He wants his spirit to enter into our hearts so that way we may ex uh, receive the riches of his glory. He wants the spirit to work in our inner man and we produce the fruits that are necessary by faith. But everything must be grounded in a love for Jesus. Love is the emphasis, brothers and sisters. For without love, then, is, then this whole plan of salvation means nothing. This is why John chapter 1 verse 16 states, and his fullness have all we received and grace for what? Grace. It is a process that we're continuing to bear the fruits that are necessary. We continue to submit to God. We continue to ask the spirit to enter into our hearts and grace for grace. We continue to uh, develop and to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. This is why it states in um, Sons and Daughters, page 76. As the life of the vine circulates through the stem and cluster, descends into the lower fibers, and reaches the topmost leaf, so will the grace and love of Christ burn and abound in the soul, sending its virtues to every part of the being, pervading every exercise of body and mind. So we see that Christ wants to dwell not only in a section of our lives, but in every aspect of our lives. This is why Christ after Christ's page 384 states that gospel religion is Christ in the life. You see, many people are having a bad experience with religion, but we see that gospel religion, true religion, the true gospel is Christ living in our life. And notice it is a living and active principle, a principle based on what? A principle based on love. Once we have a love for Christ, all of a sudden I'm not dictating my emotions and my feelings are not dictating what I should or should not do. But it's a principle within my heart that allows me to live the life that Christ wants me to live. When he asks me to do something, I'm doing it based on principle and that principle is based on love. It says it is the grace of Christ revealed in character and wrought out in good works. You see, brothers and sisters, the true gospel religion, the true gospel, true religion is Christ in our lives and people will be able to see Christ in us. It is the good works that are demonstrated outwardly, but not because of any of our, uh, not because of our efforts or energy or, or power, but the power within the spirit of Christ that's living within us. 
This is why we see in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, the flesh that I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. You see, the life that I live now, there's no way I could have lived it six years ago before I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm living the life I'm living now because Christ is living within me. And many of my friends and family says, I know who Loami was, but at this Loami, it's a completely different Loami. Are there some, some areas that needs to be worked out? <laughs> the answer is absolutely yes. But they definitely see a transformation, a growing experience that I'm having with Jesus. And so when people say, how did you make that change? I tell them, it is not I, it is Christ who lives within me. This is why testimony states that all must obtain a what type of experience? A living experience for themselves. You see, we can't be dependent on the pastor's uh, experience, the elder's experience, your teacher's experience, your mom or dad's experience. You must have a living experience for yourself. They must have Christ enshrined in the heart. Notice what the spirit must do. His spirit controlling the affections of their profession of faith is of no value and their condition will be even worse than if they have never heard the truth. Ooh, that is sombering, sombering words, brothers and sisters. Understand what's being said here. We must all obtain a living experience. We cannot continue to uh, ride our Christian faith and experience based on others. You and I must know who Jesus is. The spirit of God must control our thoughts and our affections. And brothers and sisters, understand that Christ does not care about your profession. He doesn't care how many times you go to church, how much money you give to the church, and, and how much good service you do. If the faith is not a living active in your life, then all the works that you do is of no value. Brothers and sisters, I've seen so many of my close friends who have heard the truth, grew up in the church, understood the church in theory, but lacked the experience. And they, when they decided not to follow Christ anymore and they decided to, uh, to leave, their condition was much worse than it was beforehand. You see, brothers and sisters, this is why it's important for us to be connected to Christ. Because if not, our condition will be even worse than if we have never heard the truth. And I've seen so many people, including myself, that grew up believing the truth of the gospel, but never had an experience. And I end up living a life much, world than, uh, much worse than some of my worldly friends. This is why it's important for us to surrender, submit, and allow Christ to work in us. This is why this is our plea. This should be our plea. May the Lord help us to die to self, to be born again, that Christ may live in us. A living, what type of principle? Active principle, a power that will keep us holy. And what is holy? Holy simply means to be set apart for a higher purpose, for a holy use. Understand that Christ wants to, use you, wants to use you and I to be able to demonstrate and to reveal his character to the world. That is what he wants and desires for us to show to the entire world. This is why Ministry of Healing states that the life of God in the soul is man's only hope. That is the only hope that you and I have is Christ living in us and then demonstrating his character to those around us. This is why Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 states, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is the mystery that God wanted to show the Gentile, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? You see, people are tired about hearing about religion. They want to see religion in real life. And so what Christ wants to demonstrate to the Gentiles, to the unbelievers, is a mystery. And what is that mystery? How is it that God lives in you? How is it that God can be able to dwell in you and you can demonstrate the fruits and live the life of Jesus here on earth? That is the mystery that the Gentiles are wanting to see. They hear all about the message, but they're lacking the experience. They're lacking to see what this gospel message can do in someone's life. You see, Jesus wants us to allow him to live in us daily so that we will be able to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and represent his character to others. And that's what God wants to do for you and I. So we see that God's part is that he will live in you and empower you. And brothers and sisters, our part is to live by his power and bear the fruit that are necessary. And so that's what we're going to be covering in this section, this session right now, section right now. Our part is to abide in him, to abide in Christ in him and us. So that way we can bear the fruit that are necessary. I want you to notice what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse four, talking about the parable of the vine. 
He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Jesus then continues to say, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. So Christ's desire in this parable is for us to be connected to the vine so that way we can bear the fruits that demonstrate that we have been connected with Jesus. This is why we see in Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5 states, our life must come from a parent vine. It is only by personal union with Christ, by, un by communion with him, notice, daily, hourly, that we can bear the fruits of the Spirit. Our life must be connected with Christ, that personal union with Christ. And the way that you and I can maintain that reunion is by talking to him daily, hourly. And, that, and then, brothers and sisters, as time progresses, those fruits that demonstrate that we've been connected with Christ will ultimately reveal itself. And so understand that as I go throughout my day, I have my devotions in the morning, I meditate on his word, and oh, how I love to meditate on God's word. And as I go throughout the day, I ask God, Lord, help me with this situation. Lord, how can I be nice to my neighbor? Lord, how, and then I'm communing with him more and more. And did you know that Christ actually reveals to you the areas where you need to be refined? Man, many people don't like that, but I see, Lord, I've fallen short again. Can you help me? And as I continue to commune with him daily, hourly, all of a sudden, brothers and sisters, the fruits that, that bear witness that I'm connected with Christ will reveal, reveal himself. This is why Jesus continues to say in verse 7, if this is a condition, you have a choice. He allowed us to be free moral agents. But if you abide in Christ and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. How is the God of heaven glorified that you and I bear much fruit? And so we prove to be his disciples. You see, if we abide with Christ and his words abide in us, then whatever we ask of the father, he says it will be done to you. But understand that it's in the context of ultimately glorifying the God of heaven. You see, Christ's desires for you is to glorify his father. You see, Jesus came to earth to glorify his father. And what Jesus wants from us is to glorify him. And so if we abide in him and our wor his words that we meditate on throughout the day, that we spend time in the morning and in the evening, as we abide in him and allow his words to penetrate into our hearts and our minds, then whatever we ask of the Father, Lord, I've been short in this area. Can you help me? God says, you ask, I will do it because the ultimate goal and your desire is to uh, glorify the Father in heaven. And he desires for us to bear the fruit that people was able to see so that way they can demonstrate and see and prove that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ. You know some Christians that don't actually act like Christians? You see, that means that they're not really connected to the vine. What Christ wants us to understand that, yes, we cannot uh, um, judge the heart, but by the fruits we shall know them. We'll talk about that here in a bit. But I want you to know the Selected Messages, Volume 1. It says, Christ abiding in the soul exerts a transform transforming power and the outward aspects bears witness to the peace and joy that reign within. We drink in the love of Christ. And as the branch draws nourishment from the vine, if we are grafted in Christ, again, if is a choice, is a condition. If we are grafted in Christ, if fiber by fiber, we have been united with the living vine, we shall give evidence of the fact by bearing rich clusters of living fruit. You see, Christ wants to abide in us, and as he abides in us, there's something that transforms our lives that all of a sudden people see, uh, they, they bear witness of what's happening on the outward. You see, Christ wants us to draw from him. This is why it's important to commune with him, not only daily, but hourly, to meditate. And brothers and sisters, we must give evidence that we're actually connected with Jesus. This is why Jesus says this, Matthew 7, verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. You see, people are tired of hearing you being a Christian. They want to see if you're a Christian. You see, I can't judge someone's heart. That's God's job. But I can definitely tell that someone who claims to be a Christian is one by their fruits. And so we are judged by the fruits, by our outward actions. But of course, even if we do good things, only Christ can understand the true motive. But brothers and sisters, there has to be good fruits that are demonstrated. But what are the fruits? Well, it's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits that you and I must be demonstrating in our everyday lives. Understand that in those moments where it calls for us to be grieve, uh, to, to grieve, we must experience a joy. When those moments where it seems like everything is chaotic, it is those moments we must produce the fruit of peace. In those moments where it's called for us to be irritated and impatient, Christ says, show me the fruits of your patience. Those moments where you want to curse somebody out and you want to slap them because they're not doing what they asked you to do, because they're not doing what you told them to do. And in that moment, Christ says, I want you to produce the fruit of kindness. Of course, we cannot produce it, but it's in those moments that we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal and help us to produce that fruit outwardly so people can know that we are connected to the vine. Self-control, gentleness, all of those things, brothers and sisters, are fruits that we are connected to the vine. But I want you to read this following statement in Desire of Ages. It is a sombering statement. This is why I know that many of us, including myself, are not always connected to the vine. Notice what it says. It says, when we live by faith on the Son of God, the fruits of the Spirit will be seen in our life. Not one will be missing. Not one fruit, meaning patience, love, kindness, long-suffering, self-control, those fruits will always manifest itself. But if at one moment I decide to say, I'm going to lose myself, I'm not going to have any control over this situation, I'm going to be impatient in the moment where I know God is telling me to be impatient. At that point, brothers and sisters, the life of Christ in you produces the same fruits as in him. So if one of those fruits are missing, then that means that we're not really connected to the vine because not one fruit will be missing. Woo! When I read these things, brothers and sisters, understand, it, it, it leaves me in a position where I thought I was good, but in reality, I realize I need Jesus even more. And oh, more of Jesus is okay with me. And so in those moments where I realize that I am not truly connected to the vine, in those moments where that fruit is missing, I have testified that I am not truly connected to the vine. But when I realize that I'm not connected, I ask the Lord, Lord, connect me again to you. Allow me to live by faith so that way I can produce the fruits that are necessary. Notice what Review and Herald states. Are you in a position where you do not possess these graces? You see, there's going to be moments where we are tested whether or not we are truly connected with Christ. So are you in a position that you do not possess these graces? Notice the question. Just as soon as anyone crosses you, or offends you, or does there arise in your heart a feeling of bitterness, a spirit of rebellion? If this does the spirit that you have, bear in mind that you have not the spirit of Christ, it is another spirit. Ooh. In those moments where somebody frustrates me, in those moments where I just want to curse somebody out, in those moments where I have bitterness and rebelling when somebody tells me to do something and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do it. In those moments where I'm like, ah, oh, this person did me wrong and I have bitterness in my heart. If those things rises up in you, understand that you are not connected with Christ. It states there's another spirit. There's only two spirits in this world, brothers and sisters, is either the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Antichrist, which is a Satan, which is a devil. Mothers and sisters, understand this is why it's important for us to be connected to Christ moment by moment. We cannot let go of his hand. And these are the moments when people cross you, when people offend you, that it shows whether, what's really in our hearts and what's demonstrated outwardly. This is why it states that the spirit of Christ will be revealed in all who are born of God. Notice what it says. Strife and contention cannot arise amongst those who are controlled by his spirit. Understand, we talked about this before. Christ desires for us to put off the old nature and put on his new nature. There is no way that we can have strife and contention and, and, and still have peace and, 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 and love in our hearts. Strife and contention cannot arise by those who are controlled by the spirit. Oh, I've been to board meetings at churches before. I've been to council meetings and brothers and sisters, if something doesn't go the way that the, the person wants it to go, all of a sudden there's strife, there's contention and, and that board meeting all of a sudden looks like a, a WWE fight than, than, than one that is supposed to uh, help us uh, gather together and, and further the work of Jesus Christ. Strife and contention cannot arise if we are controlled by the spirit of God. This is why it states again, by their fruits you shall know them, either God 
or Satan controls the mind. And the life shows so clearly that none need a mistake to which power you yield allegiance. And in those moments of temptation, in those moments where somebody crosses you, in those moments where people say things about you, it is in those moments, whether, uh, in those moments that people can see whether or not you're connected to Satan or connected to God. And you may be wondering to yourself, well, is this a, continuous, uh, a, a continual thing? Absolutely. Do you remember when Jesus asked Peter the question, Peter, who do you say that I am? Some people call you Elijah. Some people call you a prophet. He says, great. That's what other people say. But who do you say that I am? He says, you're the son of the living God. Then what did Jesus say? Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my heavenly father in heaven revealed this to you. Did he not? And so we see that he was controlled by the spirit. Jesus continues to say how he was going to go through uh, Gethsemane and how he's going to uh, die on the cross for you and I. And what does Peter say? Peter said, oh, God forbid, Lord, that you have to go through that. And what did Jesus tell Peter? Not even five verses later. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Not even less than a minute. He was controlled by the spirit of God. Less than a minute afterwards, after Jesus was explaining to him what he was going to endure. All of a sudden, we see that Satan has control of Peter. Brothers and sisters, it can be that quick that we are controlled from the spirit of God to the spirit, uh, to the spirit of Satan. This is why it is important that we must be heavily minded, focused on what Christ wants us to do. We must be connected to the vine. We must pray. We must meditate on his word all throughout the day. You see, when we are tested, it's when the true fruits come out. Because notice what Selected Messages, page 236 states, when we give way to impatience, we drive the spirit of God out of the heart and give place to the attributes of Satan. Brothers, sisters, in those moments where we demonstrate impatience, we just ask God to step out of our hearts and we invited Satan to come in. How many homes do we see that parents, mothers and fathers demonstrating impatience towards their children? knowing that they're not doing what they asked them to do. And instead of showing them the meekness of Christ, they show impatience and irritation. And at that, mother, at that moment, brothers and sisters, understand that it's no longer Christ who's controlling the home. It is Satan himself who's controlling it. This is why we must be connected to Christ and we must surrender our whole hearts to him because without him, there's no way that we can demonstrate the fruits that are, ne that are necessary. Notice the messages to young people, page 114 states. To whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. If, condition, our choice, if we indulge in anger, in lust, in covetousness, in hatred, in selfishness, or any other sin, we become servants of sin. This is why Jesus says no man can serve two masters. If we serve sin, there's no way that you and I can serve Christ. You see, this is why Thoughts of the Mount of Blessing, page 93, says Christ does not say that man will not or shall not serve two masters, but that there's no way possible that you and I can serve two masters. We cannot serve two masters. Either we're connected to Christ or we're connected to Satan. Either we're demonstrating the fruits and the spirit of Christ or we're demonstrating the fruits and the spirit of Satan. We can't have it any other way. Think of it this way. If I get angry with someone, where's the love? Where's the joy? Where's the peace? Where's the patience? Where's the kindness? Where's the faithfulness? Where's the gentleness? Where's the self-control? Well, obviously they're not there because at that moment you're angry. So you see, you cannot serve two masters. When you test yourself by the fruit of the spirit, you must then at that point realize, am I connected to the vine or am I connected to something else? You see, you can do much work and think you are really a good Christian, but if in your home you are irritated and unkind to your family, something is wrong. You may not know how to submit the heart to be controlled by God, or maybe you just don't want to. But in those moments we are tempted to demonstrate a fruit that is not of Christ, it is at that moment we must submit and say, Lord, I want to be impatient, but Lord, at this moment, show me, teach me, help me to be patient in this, in this moment that is calling for me to be uh, impatient. This is why Review and Herald states that we cannot be irritated and impatient and still be Christians for an irritated and an impatient spirit is not the spirit of Christ. Oh, I know I'm, I know I'm getting home to some of you guys. I know when I read this stuff, it was hitting home to me. 
I thought that I, 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 God was looking at my overall life and say, hey, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to church on the right day, eating the right thing, studying. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But in those moments where I was irritated, when things wasn't going the way that I wanted to, when I was impatient with individuals because they weren't doing what I asked them to do, at that very moment, brothers and sisters, understand that I was not demonstrating a Christ-like spirit. I was demonstrating another spirit. And this is why Christ says, this is why you must be connected to me. Notice what it says about impatience. It says impatience brings the enemy of God and man into your family and drives out the angels of God. If you are, if again, condition our choice, if you are abiding in Christ and Christ in you, guess what you can't do? You cannot speak angry words. If Christ is in you, if the spirit of God is dwelling in us, there is no way we can speak angry words. You see, impatience, brothers and sisters, brings the enemy into your family and drives Jesus and the angels out. We can have worship at home, sing hymns, bring God into the home, and then as soon as we're irritated and impatient, the Spirit of God leaves, the angels leave, and Satan has full control of our homes. You see, I grew up in a home like this. You see, I remember growing up, and um, one of the things we did was uh, prepare for Sabbath, right? And so Friday afternoon was dedicated to making sure all the house is clean, making sure that we got the food cooked for Sabbath, making sure that everything was all right. But do you want to know what was interesting? That the very last 40 minutes, right before sunset, is where my mother was the most impatient and irritated. You know, she's just finished cleaning the house and mopping it and, and, and cooking all the food. And as we come home from work, you know, we may have forgotten that she's, she swept. And all of a sudden, I just mopped. I just cleaned. What are you doing? And all of a sudden, there's this impatient. Oh, the clothes are not washed. Sabbath is about to come. And it was this house of, I, I, I mean, it was, you can feel the spirit of impatience in that house. But do you want to know what was interesting? As soon as the sunset came, okay, family, time for worship. Let's pray. I'm like, what just happened? I don't want to pray. I don't want to study. Because at that moment, the Spirit of God wasn't really there. And of course, there were some things that I caused my mother to demonstrate this fruits of impatience. But, you know, praise the Lord that she has forgiven me. And now she's resting in Jesus, waiting for him, waiting for Jesus to come. But I remember growing up in a home where 40 minutes right before a Sabbath, there was impatience demonstrated everywhere, irritation, yelling and screaming because everything is not cleaned in, uh, in order. And then as soon as the Sabbath comes, all of a sudden everyone is kumbaya, my Lord, singing and wanting to open up hymns and, and study the Bible. And I realized at that point, this is hypocrisy. This doesn't look right. You claim it to be one thing, but you just demonstrated something else. Brothers, sisters, this is the reality of many homes around the nation. This is why Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9 says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and what else? And in truth. This is why James states the following, James 4 verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. So here it is. We can proclaim, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe in the truth. But we can lie against the truth when we have envying and strife in our hearts. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but notice what it is. It is a earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You see, when we say, oh, I believe in the truth. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I, I, I'm a Christian. But we have bitterness. We have envying in our hearts. Understand that that spirit is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And people then are confused as to saying, you say you're a Christian, but I'm seeing your works and they don't correlate. But notice, it continues the saying, but the wisdom that is from above, it is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without what? Hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy meaning not being an actor, not playing two sides of the field. And notice it concludes by saying, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You see, people are tired of hearing all about what you have to say. They want to see if you're really actively engaged in the gospel. Are you really allowing the gospel to transform your heart and your mind? Because as we do, then we'll be able to, to demonstrate that we are gentle, we are pure, we're peaceable, we're full of mercy, and we're demonstrating good works. And there's no partiality, there's no hypocrisy in our lives. We are who we are consistently. You know, Desire of Ages states that no man was able to speak like Jesus, because in reality, no one lived like Jesus. 
That's why his words had power because no other man lived like he lived. And so we see in Review and Herald, it states you cannot indulge your own temper and have your own way and still remain the children of God. We shall have to struggle with our hereditary tendencies that we may not yield to temptation and become angry under provocation. Understand that the struggle is real. How many times do we get angry when things do not go our way? In those moments where we are struggling to say, Lord, I just want to say what's on my mind. And the Lord is telling you, just submit to me. Be patient. Demonstrate love. Demonstrate kindness. Demonstrate mercy. We are going to have to struggle with this, brothers and sisters, until Christ comes. Notice I said we will struggle. Doesn't mean that we have to give in. We have the power to be uh, freed from that sin. And we're going to talk about that in our following steps, in our, in our following presentations. But brothers and sisters, we're going to be struggling with our tendencies. And, we, you, and, and, and it doesn't matter what situation presents itself, we are not called to fall under that uh, provocation. Understand that what it says here in Testimonies of the Church, Volume 4, page 607. The man who yields to impatience is serving who? Satan. That's as clear as day. To whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom he obeys. This is why Jesus says, if, without me, you can do nothing. You must be connected to me. Because in those moments where you decide not to let, to let go of my hand and decide to follow your inclinations and do your own way, it is at that moment that you're serving Satan. You're serving yourself. You're not serving God. And impatience is the number one thing that Satan wants you to demonstrate and I to demonstrate so that way he could say, ah, you see, he claims to be somebody that he's truly not. This is why testimony to minister says that Satan takes the control of every mind that is not decidedly under the control of the spirit of God. If we're not connected to Christ, then we're automatically connected to the spirit of Satan. Let's see. This is why it says, let no one deceive his own soul in this matter. If you harbor pride, self-esteem, a love for the supremacy, vainglory, unholy ambition, murmuring, discontent, bitterness, evil speaking, lying, deception, slandering, you have not Christ abiding in your heart. And the evidence shows that you have the mind and character of Satan, not of Jesus Christ, who was meek and lowly of heart. Understand, we must not deceive ourselves into thinking that as I love to be number one, as I love to show off the things that I own and the things that I've, I've learned over the way, as I murmur and complain about things that are happening in my life, as I have this unholy ambition to pursue the things that are in my heart and not necessarily what God wants me to pursue, as I'm lying, as I'm deceiving people so I can get extra money or get extra credit for whatever it is, as I'm slandering people's character, understand Christ is not in my heart. Christ doesn't care about your proclamation. He wants to see your demonstration. And the demonstration happens from within. Christ must work in us so that way outwardly we're able to then produce the fruits that are necessary. Understand that Jesus Christ was meek and lowly of heart. And that is a character that you and I must demonstrate, but most importantly, possess through his spirit. You see, Review and Herald states that pride and selfishness can find no place in the character without crowding out him who is meek and lowly of heart. Pride, selfishness has no place in the heart where Christ dwells. If Christ was within, then pride and selfishness is no longer there. Selflessness and love is, replaces pride and selfishness. Brothers and sisters, this is why Satan got kicked out of heaven. His heart was full of pride. His heart was full of selfishness. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. I will set up a throne. He worried about himself. But brothers and sisters, we see that the character that you and I must possess is one of a meek and lowly heart. This is why Paul states in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, and I, I guarantee you many of us do not take time to do this, but this is why he states, examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourself. And do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Examine yourself. Take time to reflect and think, Lord, how was my day today? How did I respond to the different situations around me? And hold yourself. What is it that I proclaim to believe? What is it that I proclaim to be? 
if I am a follower of Jesus and Jesus is my standard, then I must examine myself and, and hold myself to see, am I really following and demonstrating the faith that I proclaim? Am I truly demonstrating that I am a connected and a follower of Jesus Christ? This is why he says, examine yourself, test, reflect, think. How was your day? Did you demonstrate Jesus in every aspect of your life? Don't worry about last week. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has its own problems. But examine yourself today. Reflect. And this is why at nighttime is the best time right before we pray, right before we go to bed, saying, Lord, I ask that you may reveal to me my shortcomings throughout the day. Did you know that the Spirit of God will reveal that to you? <laughs> he has no problem revealing those things to you because he wants you to acknowledge these are my shortcomings. Oh, Lord, I am sorry. I don't want to demonstrate anything else, anybody else except for you. Please forgive me, but most importantly, empower me. So when, I'm in, when I am tempted to do this thing again, I may demonstrate your fruits, your character, instead of my own. You see, do we not realize that Christ is in you and I? Unless we in, in, indeed, through our circumstances and temptations throughout the day, fail to meet that test? But you will say this. Notice what you will say. But you will say, how am I to know that Christ is in my heart? Well, you want to know? You want to know how you know Christ is in your heart? If when you are criticized or corrected in your way and things do not go just as you think you ought to go, if then you let your passion arise instead of bearing the correction and being patient and kind, that at that very moment demonstrates that Christ is not abiding in the heart. <laughs> so, so every day we are tested. Lord, are you really in my heart? How do I respond when I'm criticized? How do I respond when I'm corrected? How do I respond when things don't go the way that I think they should go? If I let my passion arise, if I demonstrate impatience, unkindness, and envying and strife, and all of these things, at that very moment, instead of bearing the correction and saying, brother, you need to calm down. This is not about you. This is about everyone. And in those moments where you don't like to be corrected, and you, we, we all experienced that before, when people try to tell you your imperfections and tell you where you need to better yourself, we don't like hearing that. But in those moments where we don't want to hear it and we're demonstrating that, uh, 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 that, that, that spirit, that things are not going my way and I'm being self-centered and, self uh, and being selfish, understand that Christ is not abiding in the heart. This is how we, you and I can examine ourselves. This is why 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 states, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is what? He is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what do we do? We lie and do not, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. So we understand that we, as we claim that we are children of the light, children of the most high, understand that if we say that we're children of the light, but truly walk in darkness, what we are doing is lying. And the book of the Bible tells us that lying lips is an abomination unto the Lord. But if we have fellowship with one another, if we have fellowship with Christ, understand that we are truly walking in the light. And Christ says he is able to wash us and cleanse us from all of our sins. Amen. I want you to notice what that may I know on page 185 states. What is lying against the truth? It is claiming to believe the truth while the spirit, the word, the deportment represent not Christ, but Satan. To surmise evil, to be impatient and unforgiving is lying against the truth. But love, patience, and long forbearance are in accordance with the principles of truth. Truth is ever pure, ever kind, breathing a heavenly fragrance unmingled with selfishness. So understand, brothers and sisters, that when you and I say that we claim to love the truth, when you and I claim to say we are followers of Jesus, and we're saying one thing but doing another, brothers and sisters, what we're doing is lying. What we're doing is bare false witnessing. What we are doing is saying, in reality, I claim to know Jesus, but my fruits bear evidence that I do not know him. You see, we cannot surmise evil. We cannot have an impatient and unforgiving spirit and lie and say that we love Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, when Christ is in us, then love, patience, long-sufferance will then be demonstrated and then we know we are connected to the truth. Truth is ever pure, ever kind, and is bearing or, or breathing a sweet fragrance that when people see you, they want to be around you. 
You see, Jesus, when he was here on earth, people loved to be around Jesus. People loved it. There was something about him that, that people just gravitated to because when they was with him, they just felt like they were in another place. And this is why Jesus said, this earth is not in my home. This is not my kingdom. But I have a heavenly kingdom that I want you to be a part of. And so when, Jesus, when, the, when people were with Jesus, they felt like, like they was in another planet. They felt that this man was so different from everyone else. It, it just his, his, his presence felt as if there was something in his life that everyone desired and wanted. You see, Testimonies of the Church, Volume 5, says that selfishness can no more live in the heart that is exercising faith in Christ than light and darkness can exist together. You see, if I turn off all the lights today or right now, it will be completely dark. But if I turn on the light, all of a sudden the room ceases to be dark. Darkness and light cannot go hand in hand, just like selfishness and love cannot go together in the heart. This is why 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You see, Desire of Ages, page 650 states that while pride, variance, and strife for the supremacy are cherished, the heart cannot enter into fellowship with Christ. There is no way, as long as we have pride, as long as there's strife amongst uh, the people around us, as long as we uh, care for supremacy, as long as we cherish those things, there is no way that you and I, brothers and sisters, can be connected with Christ. You see, only as they are willing to be purged from sin could they enter into fellowship with him. Only the pure in heart could abide in his presence. Only those who says, Lord, this is who I am, but I don't want to be this way. Yes, I love to be number one. Yes, Lord, I love to be above everyone else. Yes, Lord, I always like to be right, but I don't want to demonstrate this spirit anymore. I want to have your spirit. I want to have your character. I want to demonstrate your love. As long as we're willing, Christ says, hey, I will take away that sin. And then Christ says, now you can enter into fellowship with me because light and darkness cannot mix together. Understand that Christ says that the reason he cannot hear, the reason he cannot save is because our iniquities, our sins has separated us from him. So what he wants is to remove that barrier, remove sin so that way we can enter into his presence and we can be connected in fellowship with him. And understand that it's only those who have a pure heart that is able to abide in his presence. This is why blessed are those, uh, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You see, Desire of Ages, page 439, states that our Lord is put to shame by those who claim to serve him, but who misrepresent his character and multitudes are deceived and led into false paths. Understand that the Lord, he's looking at you and I, he says, well, these are those who claim to be my followers, but those who claim to serve him and misrepresent him, notice, not only putting the Lord to shame, but it's allowing multitudes of people to be deceived into thinking, oh, this is what Christianity is about? Then yeah, all right, I can just go to church and do a couple of things here and there and still live the life that I lived before. And you see, as multitudes are being deceived into thinking that this is what the Christian life is, uh, is about, it leads them into a false path. And brothers and sisters, we know Proverbs 14 verse 12 says that there's a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. So little children, this is why John states, little children, let no one deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Those who do what is right is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. It continues. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither is he that loveth not his brother. So understand that when we are born of God, we will demonstrate that we are connected with God and we'll show the fruits that we are connected with him. But you see, God wants to undo the work of the devil. He wants to undo the deception that people think, well, I can do whatever I want to do because I'm only human. God understands. That's not an excuse. Christ says he wants to live in you. He wants to empower you. He wants you to be the mystery to the Gentiles that how is it that someone like you who was unconverted last year, all of a sudden loves me, is humble, who is meek. How is it that you desire heavenly things all of a sudden? That is the mystery that the world wants to see. 
Brothers and sisters, we testify when we do not love our brothers, when we're not doing what Christ is asking us to do, we're bare false witnessing to the world and showing them that in reality, we're not children of God, we are children of the enemy. So this is why I want you to notice what Bible Commentary Volume 3 states. The greatest insult we can inflict upon him is to pretend to be his disciples while manifesting the spirit of Satan in our words, our dispositions, in our actions. The greatest insult that you can give to God, the greatest pain that you can inflict on him is to say, yes, I'm a disciple, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but then the manifestation, your works, your words, your deportment, your, your, your disposition, your actions, testify that you have no relation with Jesus. This is what breaks the hearts of God. Because many are looking at you and wondering, I need to find hope in this world that is messed up. And so because many of us, uh, many of them may not know how to, reach, uh, how to read the Bible, you may be the only Bible they see. And Christ is insulted. Pain is afflicted on him. When you and I say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe the truth. But then our words, our action, and our disposition testify that we have no connection with Jesus. This is why 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. Unless, brothers and sisters, we accept in our own life the principle of self-sacrificing love, which is the principle of his character, it states that we cannot know God. If we are not loving our brothers, if we're not showing the fruits of God's spirit in our lives, then, brothers and sisters, we are testifying that in reality we do not know God. For God is love. God was willing to lay down his life for his enemies. That is what Christ wants to develop in you and I. This is why Romans 13 verse 10 states that love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If you love me, keep my commandments. Love is the motivating uh, factor, brothers and sisters. Not, oh, first, this is why Christ broke down the commandments in two parts. First, you must understand how you can love me with all your heart, mind, and soul. Then you're able to love your neighbors just as yourself. We must know who God is. We must learn to love him. But brothers and sisters, the only way that you and I can learn to love him is by first understanding how much he loves us. And as we bask in his love, as we understand it, then we say, Lord, how can you love someone like me? And then Jesus will tell us, he says, to the least of them, you have done unto me. The same way I love you, I want you to love others. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is what Christ wants to do in you and I. This is why 1 John states, and hereby we do not know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But it continues, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in me ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Brothers and sisters, this is from the Bible. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to make our religious experience one that is hard to do. Christ says if we are followers of Jesus, we must live just as Jesus lived. But praise God, I don't have to do it on my own. I can simply submit to him. And the Bible says that he will do it for me. Amen. This is why Review and Herod says, oh, you may say, I do keep the commandments. Huh. So the question is, do you? Do you really keep the commandments? Do you carry out the principles of God's commandments in your home, in your family? Do you never manifest rudeness, unkindness, and impoliteness in the family circle? Oh, you say you keep the commandments of God. Well, how's your home life? And this is why it, it uh, maybe is a pet peeve of mine, maybe uh, it irritates me. I, I, I truly believe that pastors, before they get interviewed, should be first be questioned by the family. How's the husband at home? Is he patient? Is he kind? Does he have morning devotions? Is he loving and caring? Because if he does not demonstrate this in the home, how is he going to demonstrate it in the church? Brothers and sisters, what we do at home is manifested in how we conduct ourselves at, uh, outwardly and outside. Brothers and sisters, do you keep the commandments? Well, do you carry out the principles in the home? Do you never, are you never rude? Are you never unkind? Are you never impolite to people in your family circle? It's so easy to be friends and, and, and to be polite to those who don't know you because you always want to make a first impression. But those who know you, oh, it's so easy to let your guard down and truly reveal who you are. But I want you to notice what else it states. 
if you do manifest unkindness at your home, no matter how high your profession, no matter if you're a doctor, no matter if you're a professor, no matter if you're a pastor, no matter if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, no matter what your profession is, you are breaking God's commandments. No matter how much you may preach the commandments to others, if you fail to manifest the love of Christ in your whole life, you are a transgressor of the law. There are many who says we must keep the commandments of God, but yet demonstrate impatience to their family uh, relatives. And I can testify. I, th listen, I've had conversations with my sister before. She said, you're rude when you talk to me. And it's true. Sometimes I am because it's family. She understands. But it's in those moments where the people who love you, who are closest to you, is how it's, you must demonstrate the Christ spirit much more. It's so easy to put on a show when the cameras is on. It's so easy to put on a show when I don't know people and I can put on a good front. But when people who knows you intimately, how is your response to them? Brothers and sisters, I can claim to say I love Jesus. I can give you a 10-part series on how we can be victorious Christians. I can tell you about the struggle. But brothers and sisters, if I'm not demonstrating these fruits in my inner circle and in my family, I myself could be a violator of Christ's 10 commandments. This is why men and children, men, women and children and youth are measured in the scales of heaven in accordance with that which they reveal in their home life. A Christian in the home is a Christian anywhere. If you are a Christian at the house, if we demonstrate these fruits at home, then brothers and sisters, you are a Christian anywhere. And that's not just limited to mom and dad. That's not limited to aunt and uncle. That means you, young person. That means you, grandma and grandpa. Everyone is measured in the scales of heaven according to what is revealed in their home life. Christ doesn't care about what you do outwardly out, out in the public because, again, we can always put on a good show. You know, first impressions, uh, 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 that first impressions are everything, right? And so we always put on a good front when we meet people for the first time. But those who know us, how is, our, how is our conduct at home? You see, brothers and sisters, thoughts of the Mount of Blessing states that the meekness of Christ manifested in the home will make the inmates happy. It provokes no quarrel, gives back no angry answer, but soothes the irritated temper and diffuses a gentleness that is felt by all within its charm circle. Wherever cherished, it makes the families of earth a part of the one great family above. Understand that we can have heaven here on earth. We can have heaven here in our home. And so, brothers and sisters, this is why 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 states, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Christ wants his spirit to dwell in us. So we can demonstrate the fruits that are necessary, not only to the public, to the Gentiles, but also in our homes. Brothers and sisters, if we have the love of Christ in our souls, it will be a natural consequence for us to have all the other graces, which is joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, as well as temperance. If we have the love of Christ in our hearts, the natural consequence, the natural result of having Jesus in our hearts is that we experience the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, and the temperance that are the fruits of his spirit that is a natural a result of what Christ is doing in our hearts. You see, there are many who have never felt the necessity of subduing self and overcoming wicked tempers. They cherish bitterness and wrath in their hearts, and these evil traits defile the soul. It continues by stating that thus they deny Christ and darken the pathway of others. No one will be excused for the exposition of uncontrolled tempers, uncontrollable tempers. Thousands will miss of heaven through their want of self-control. Thousands. Brothers and sisters, here we are thinking, well, as long as I go to the right day, I'm, go I'm, I'm saved. As long as I eat the right foods, I'm saved. As long as I watch the right things, I'm saved. But thousands will miss out on heaven because they never learn how to submit their anger in those moments where, uh, where, where, where our nature is calling to be angry. Thousands will miss out on heaven because they have no self-control how to control their tempers in those moments where Christ wants us to demonstrate fruits of his righteousness. Thousands will miss on heaven 
That means there'll be thousands of people who will go to church on the right day, eat the right things, dress the right way, but will miss out because they have uncontrollable tempers. Christ wants to subdue even those. And by his power, he can do it if you simply believe. You see, when professed people, when per persons profess to be Christians and their religion does not make them better men and better women in all the relations of life, living representative of Christ in disposition and character, Jesus says, they are none of his. You see, people tell me, even if we disobey our parents, we do wrong. But at the end of the day, we are still their children. Yes, physically, physically we may be Christ's children, but spiritually, there is a big difference. You see, I can be a child of God, but my actions and what's happening within me demonstrate whether or not I'm truly a son or daughter of God. You see, when I ask my, uh, uh, when, when my parents asked me to do things for them, and, 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 and I told them, no, I don't want to do it, even when I knew that it was outside of God's will. You see, I was physically th their child, but spiritually, I was a child of the devil. So, brothers and sisters, Christ doesn't care about your profession of faith. He wants to see your demonstration of what the faith is doing in your life. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, He who is united to the Lord is one spirit with him. You see, and this is why... Uh, Desire of Ages, page 357 states that a spirit contrary to the spirit of Christ would deny him whatever the profession. Men may deny Christ by evil speaking, by foolish talking, by words that are untruthful or unkind. They may deny him by shunning life's burdens, by the pursuit of sinful pleasure. So we can deny Christ. Not by turning our backs on the wrong day, not by doing all of these external things that eventually that are important in and of itself, but just by our foolish talking, just by our untruthful ways, by being unkind, we have just denied Christ in our actions. We have, we have done the same thing that Peter did when he denied Christ three times. We do that every single time, brothers and sisters, when we do not demonstrate the fruits of love. But notice it continues, they may deny him by conforming to the world, by uncourteous behavior, by the love of their opinions, by justifying self, by cherishing doubt, borrowing trouble and dwelling in darkness. In all these ways, they declare that Christ is not in them. All of these things declare that Christ is not in us. That means conforming to the worldly culture, conforming to the worldly way of thinking. To be uncourteous when those people who, who cross us, who are rude to us, you know, loving our own opinions and not caring about other people's opinions. You know, when we do something wrong, we justify ourselves. You know, in those moments where Christ says, test me, I know that this uh, situation looks difficult. You may not know where your next check is coming from, but we said, you know what? I doubt that God is going to come through in those moments where we borrow trouble. In those moments where we rather dwell in our dark place instead of living uh, or, 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 or reaching out to Christ in, in, in his light. In all of these ways, we declare that Christ is not in you and I. Oh, but brothers and sisters, there's hope for you and I. Oh, there's hope. I love hope. Jesus came not to save men in their sins, but from their sins. Because we understand that sin is a digression of the law. And if we fail to obey the law, we do not accept our Savior. The only hope we have of salvation is through Christ. If his spirit abides in the heart, sin cannot dwell there. So brothers and sisters, what do we must do to keep sin out? We must behold the cross. We must look at Jesus. We must say, Lord, if this is who I am, I don't want to be this person anymore. I am struggling to try to be someone that, I, that, that you've been created me to do, created me to be. But I realize that I've been doing it on my own strength. And Lord, I cleave to you. Father, I see how much you love me. I see how much you were willing to forgive me. And Lord, I know that you have forgiven me for my past, but I want the power to be able to live to demonstrate your fruits today. Lord, I want to be like you. I want my words, my actions, my demeanor, everything to demonstrate that I'm connected to you. We must behold the cross. We must see Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we can claim to know him. But the question is, are our fruits demonstrating that we do? You see, Christ loves that we declare, declare and proclaim that we know him. But he doesn't just limit it to our proclamation. He wants to see our demonstration. He wants to see whether or not we are truly connected to the vine. Are we connected with Christ? Are we allowing the spirit to dwell within our hearts? You see, that's what Christ wants to do for you. 
He wants you to be a mystery to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, and even your enemies. He wants to do something miraculous in your life that people can say, I want to hear and feel and, and, and be empowered by the gospel that transformed your life. Brothers and sisters, I'm far from where I need to be, but praise God, I'm not the man I used to be, amen? You see, Christ wants us to humble ourselves, to realize, Lord, this is who I am. I hold on to pride. I love, the, I love uh, being number one. I love, uh, 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 not he I love hearing my own opinions and not caring about others. Oh, Lord, I love supremacy. I love all of these things, but we must surrender those things to Christ. And we know, according to the Bible and his promises, that he says that he is willing and just to cleanse us from all of our sins, from all of our righteousness. And then he says not only will he forgive us, but he will give us his spirit to be able to live the life that we cannot live on our own power and strength. I want that power. How about you? I want, to dip, I, want, I want people to see Jesus in me. How about you? I'm tired of being a hypocrite. I'm tired of playing games. I'm trying to pretending to be something I'm not. I want to be the real, genuine thing. How about you? If that's your desire, I, let's, let's conclude that decision with a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just want to thank you again for allowing us to see our true condition. Lord, we realize that we've held on to resentment, bitterness, uh, the love for self, being number one, uh, valuing our opinions above others. Uh, and Lord, we, we realize that, that we have been proclaiming to know you, but in reality, our hearts demonstrate and reveal that we're disconnected. But Lord, we want to be connected to you right now. Lord, we want to invite you into our hearts and we ask you that you may, one, forgive us for our sins. Allow us to realize that we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But Lord, clothe us. Make us rich. Lord, uh, allow us to see who we truly are and allow us to cling onto you and never hold, uh, let go of your mighty right hand. We love you. We thank you for we ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.